Welcome back to the For Where You Are podcast brought to you by Chapel Street Church. My name is Joe Scavato, and today we are back in James chapter one and faith that works. Today I'm joined by Jeff Frazier. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Joe. And Blake Lawson. Hi, Blake. Hey, Joe. <laughs> that was so normal. <laughs> uh, happy Monday. Happy Thank you. October. Yes. I think it was October last time we did the podcast, but it's fine. This is, uh, what, what is today now? This is a holiday. So of some kind. Happy holiday. It was Columbus Day, but we can't say that anymore. It's now Indigenous Peoples Day or... It's just ha- happy a, Monday. Yeah, Monday. How about that? Okay, Monday. <laughs> this, is, this is the first Bears Victory Monday there on, we go. on there uh, we go. the For Where You Are podcast in about a year, right? <laughs> That's correct, Blake. Thank you. And we will be spending the next hour dissecting the Bears win. Just kidding. Uh, we were talking about James chapter one. We yes. have uh, a lot to get into. Both of you were preaching this past we weekend. Uh, and I want to talk to you about it. So Jeff, why don't you lead us off? And recap what you talked about. Right. So the week two of Faith Works, James is an amazing letter. Uh, we're excited to jump in and, and dig in. And so this passage is uh, it really, in a way, verses 19 through 27, which was the text we preached from, tees up a whole bunch of issues James will talk about in detail later in the letter. But at the center of it is our relationship to the Word of God. And Blake and I had a similar outline, which was essentially... In our relationship to the Word of God, we should be quick to hear, eager, expectant, desiring to hear from God before we speak, and uh, humble to receive the Word of God, and faithful to obey the Word of God. James has a lot to say about being not just hearers, but doers as well. And so the the link then between hearing and doing is this uh, humility to receive the Word of God as his, as his children and followers. So there's a lot in that, but that's essentially... Yeah, like anything you'd add to that. Like, I know we changed the order a little bit, but what would you say? Yeah, uh, ditto to everything that Jeff <laughs> said, pretty much, of uh, just um, the uh, really just a, an encouragement to pursue and cherish God's word uh, through yeah. hearing, through receiving it, and uh, through doing it. So mm-hmm. awesome. Okay, well, let's talk about that a little bit deeper then. Um, and, and maybe it would be helpful just to start when we talk about the word, James mm-hmm. uses that phrase in, in a you know, variety of ways, being doers right. of the word, not just being hearers. Um, yeah. What does he mean by that? What, what word are we talking about? Let's just make sure we all know what we're talking about as we dive into this. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, he uses a number of phrases. He uses in verse 18 of chapter one, the word of truth. And in verse 22, he used, or is it yeah, 22? He uses the word, no, no, 21, 20, 19. Anyway, he James uses chapter one, the, the implanted <laughs> word. Um, and, uh, and so he's in both of those places, he says the, the implanted word, which can save your soul, the word of truth, which gives you new life, new birth. Those are synonyms for what we might call a gospel. But by gospel, I don't think James just means death and resurrection of Jesus. He means the whole Jesus tradition, the life teachings, ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus. That is the, the word that the, these early Christians were basing their faith on. Mm-hmm. And James is writing to the 12 tribes dispersed. So Jewish believers. So it's how Jesus' life, teaching, ministry, death, resurrection fulfills all the Old Testament law. That's what he means by the word. Um, so we, 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 went, we might impl- uh, make the inference then that for us, it's, it's the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures that we've been given. Because those all tell the story of Jesus in comprehensive. But at the time G- James wrote, they didn't have that yet. They didn't have all of it anyway, still being uh, written and circulated. So right. what would you add to that, Blake? Yeah. yeah, probably even just just the word here, which is used yeah. four times. Right, that's right. Um, it, it seems like J- James is saying there is something, a message you have heard. Yeah, the oral uh, tradition. The oral right. tradition yeah. of 
of Christ. And, and James is saying, um, hear that, uh, and then, and then receive that. Um, right, and then, and right. then follow that by, by doing. And so, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the, the imagery there is of a plant. That's why he says, receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Mm-hmm. And so as we talked uh, before the show, it's, it's, I, I believe the, um, the hearing is kind of like scattering of the seed mm. receiving is like allowing that seed to, uh, go deep into the soil of our hearts and take root. And mm. then, um, the doing is, is the life and fruit that then right. comes out of that. You know, uh, that's really good, Blake. That's really, I think, clear about how James is using this. And it echoes what Jesus says uh, in Matthew 13 about the, the parable of the sower, which, I mean, not surprisingly, most of James' material he's getting from his brother Jesus, uh, who, um, who his teaching, has he's been steeped in. And so even that, even as you described that, I was thinking of the parable of the sower, the scattering of a seed, the word of God. And that some so it falls on good soil and it's taken in and planted and then it yields a, f- a crop 30, 60, a hundred fold. So yeah. I think that's exactly right. And how encouraging too, that, um, that James calls it the law of liberty. Yes. Um, yeah. and then later on in chapter two, um, the, the, uh, the royal law. Right. So there's, there's right. something here that might be different than, than yeah. just the mosaic law. There's, right. there's life, there's freedom, there's royalty and liberty here. Yeah. That's really good. Hmm. Yeah. The, at the end of, uh, in, in that, in, in verse, uh, 25, the, the law of liberty, the, uh, the, the perfect law of freedom, the perfect law of liberty is it's translated differently, but that that's an interesting phrase because we don't think of law and liberty as going together, but because of Christ who fulfilled it perfectly for us, it does set us free. Yeah. I'm probably way ahead of your questions here, Joe. (laughs) No, you guys kept going. It was great. Uh, I do want to maybe spend a little bit of time talking about, uh, we've talked about this so far in our James series. But I think it's worth discussing further how James' focus, a lot of his focus is on doing stuff, <laughs> uh, you know, in response to the word that we've heard and received. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you got to do some stuff. And, and I think it's easy, especially depending on people's, you know, faith mm-hmm. upbringing and what they think about in terms of church and, and mm-hmm. the Bible. It's easy for this to become legalistic really quickly. Where yeah. it's, you know, you're not doing enough, you're doing too much of the mm-hmm. wrong thing. Mm-hmm. How, how do I know? And, and, and so often I think people think of faith in a kind of a guilt frame of, you yeah. know, I, I better do enough or God will be mad at me. <sighs> and James, if we read it incorrectly, could, could very easily feed into that. So, mm-hmm. so speak to someone who feels that way, whether it's in this series or just, you know, in general, in the relationship with Christ. How do we keep ourselves from a legalistic type of faith? Uh, so three quick comments. Maybe one is reading James uh, carefully. So mm-hmm. understanding the context of James. Yeah. There there are uh, um, ex- exhortations of grace throughout uh, the book of James. Yeah. Um, and and as uh, John Dixon even mentioned, primarily James seems to be written to lazy, maybe religious people, uh, lazy Jews rather than... Yeah. Um, than uh, um, nervous Gentiles is, mm-hmm. is the way that he put it. And so he's, he's primarily calling people out who say, I am religious, according to James one twenty seven. you know, mm-hmm. of, of claims to be religious, but doesn't live that way. Uh, so yeah. first, just understand the context of James. Second, understand the context of the whole scripture. So keep in mind, James is in the context of, of all of God's revealed uh, word. And so it's, mm-hmm. um, so yes, if we took James by itself, um, that could be, uh, that could be difficult for us to understand the law of grace. But the, I think the, the, the one thing I would want to point to is in our passage itself yeah, in, in right. James one nineteen he begins by saying, know this, my beloved mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. So he says before he says, hear God's word or do God's mm-hmm. word. He says, you are loved. 
So he's, he's not yeah. saying, okay, go and read your Bible so that God will love you or go and help the orphan or the widow so that God will love you. Right. He says, God already loves you. He already approves of you through mm-hmm. uh, grace, through faith in Christ. So now just live in the freedom of that. Actually, now you are free to read your Bible yes. simply to yeah. know and yeah. cherish God. It's not to earn any approval or love. Now you're free to love others simply to show them the love that you have already received in Christ. So I think even in the text itself that we have this week, right. he hints at this uh, wonderful graciousness uh, to the gospel. And then he says, now you just live out of that. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Ditto, Blake. Yeah. Outstanding. <laughs> yes. We need that. Well, I, I think Blake's exactly right. And uh, it's, and, and it's easy to misunderstand James because of his audience. And I, you were referring to John Dixon. I don't know if our listeners know, well, but we were talking through this with John who wrote a commentary on James and he said, well, Paul focuses on grace a lot mm-hmm. because he's writing to Gentiles who are nervous about their standing before God. Right. Could he really love me? Right. Have I done enough? James is writing to Jewish converts who have a tendency to be self-righteous and think, well, because of my Jewishness, I'm in yes. and I'm okay. So they both believe in, in gr- salvation by faith through grace, mm-hmm. um, by grace through faith, excuse me. And Nobody, they're not disagreeing about that, but they have different audiences who need different emphases. And I think that's important for us to hear. And, I, and frankly, in our own church, there are people in our church who are perhaps in danger of be feeling a little too comfortable and self-righteous in their faith that I'm just fine the way I am. And there are many who feel like, I wonder if I'm ever good, going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. And the, and James speaks to both hearts. Mm. Yeah. Jeff, you used a phrase uh, in your sermon um, an admiring listener yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. And how for many people, Back yep. then and, and today, and even in our church, they right. you know they they think Jesus is, has good things to say. Mm-hmm. The idea of you know loving other people and oh I love that that's great awesome yeah but it doesn't go any further than that. You shared a story of a guy who yeah. said that he was never uh, inconvenienced by what he heard in, right. in church. Yeah. I, he, I think he said he grew up in a family that, that we went to church without ever being terribly inconvenienced by anything we ever heard there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I think that that describes a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, what would you guys say then uh, to those people? What, what are they missing? What are they missing out on? Uh, and, yeah. and what is uh, James trying to maybe correct in that type of thinking and, and that type of relationship with Jesus? Well, um, I, first of all, I think it's a very common thing. And I don't, uh, for all of us, uh, particularly in the sort of comfortable suburban Christianity that we're in in America, where the temptation is to be, it's become an admiring listener. I like the worship. The sermon's pretty good. I listen to my Bible now and then, but it doesn't really translate into a radically transformed heart. Yeah. Um, and I think James said, James pretty harshly says, stop deceiving yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't mean if you, if it doesn't mean if you have, uh, I think we have to be careful here. It doesn't mean if you struggle at times to be obedient and you're wrestling with your faith and you have questions or doubts or you don't always obey that somehow you're, you're, you're not a real Christian. Right. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying is if you, if all you're doing is showing up now and then and just kind of feeling mildly inspired by the, you know, the spirituality or the nice things Jesus has to say, but it doesn't translate into a changed life, that you should question where you stand with God. You don't, don't lie to yourself. Because, as Blake pointed out a minute ago, if the word has been implanted in you, like Pastor Brian often says, there's only two motivations in the world, have to and want to. If you've, the word has been implanted in you, then you will increasingly want to obey. It, it, James says it's the path of blessing. You'll be blessed in doing. The, Jesus says in Matthew or Luke eight, 
the one who hears these things and does them and receives them with joy will be blessed in his doing. You know, that anyway, so we, uh, I think that's, obedience is not the pathway that, that uh, to salvation, but it is the path to blessing. Hmm. It is the path to a blessed life. Yeah. God is not commanding us to be doers of the word because he's trying to kill our joy. He's trying to increase it. Yeah. Um, no, that's by, good. Yeah. One of the images that um, that he uses in this text that James uses is this uh, picture of a mirror, yeah, um, yeah, and he compares that to to what the law does. And so I'm curious. I, I know you kind of dove into that a little bit, but but help people understand w- what the word does, yeah. the, what the life of Jesus, what the testimony of Scripture does that is similar to what a mirror does for us in our lives. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So one thing I talked about in my sermon is how. Uh, the word of God primarily reveals God mm-hmm. to us. So primarily, actually, God's word shows us God's heart toward yes, us. Right. Uh, and it, that the, one of the primary reasons why it is so vital to, uh, uh, to hear the word of God and to um, receive the word of God and to right. do the word of God is because God's word uh, rejects and corrects common misconceptions that we tend to have yes. about God's heart toward us. Yeah. Mm. And so we desperately need God's word to, to reveal God's true heart toward us uh, so that we can walk in, um, in the assurance and the life and the love that he has for us. But uh, God's word also reveals our own heart to us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's what he's getting at probably with the mirror imagery. It says that the man, um, when, when he hears God's word, he, he looks in the mirror and then it literally says in the text that he sees himself. Uh, so, so somehow God's word is showing us the true condition of our mm-hmm. hearts. Uh, and man, we desperately need to know uh, right. who we are and what, why are we experiencing um, the, the despair and, uh, and um, struggles with sin that we are experiencing? Um, and then what is our hope in the midst of that? And God's word clearly explains um, all of that and gives us hope in the midst of our despair and in the midst of our suffering. I am so thankful that God's word does not sugarcoat mm-hmm. our condition. Yeah. That it's, it's not like, um, you know, you're, you're actually not, uh, you know, you, you don't, you don't sin too much or, yeah. or, um, even with, you're not so bad, you're not so bad compared to other people or, yeah, then I would say this book doesn't get me. God doesn't get me because I know the true condition yeah. of my heart. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't really fully know me, mm-hmm. but God's word is so, uh, mm-hmm. so real. It's so clear. It, it gives us a, a, a beautiful mirror of what's going on inside our hearts, but then it doesn't leave us there in that despair. It right. then points us to the hope that we have uh, in Christ. Yeah. So I think that's exactly right. Um, it, primarily God's word is, it, it gives us an accurate reflection of who God is in Christ, especially. And we need that. If you look to our culture to understand who God is, you'll get at best a distorted image. Mm. At worst, you'll get a total lie. And that happens all the time. And the same thing is true with us. The word of God reflects back to us accurately who we are. I, I was playing with this idea that, you know, there are certain mirrors where I think I look better than others in my house. You know? <laughs> I like that mirror, not this mirror. You know? But the truth is I need one that tells me, gives me a clear picture of who I am. Mm. Why? Why do you look into a mirror? I, I jokingly said in the sermon, if you look into a mirror and you see I got a booger hanging out of my nose and I got a bad bed head and I got like crusty cheese from last night's dinner on my chin <laughs> and you just go about your day and do nothing about it, what's the point of that? That's kind of the joke, James. Is, mm-hmm. he's, he's got a little humorous edge there. He's saying, you look at yourself in the mirror and you go away and forget what you look like. What, why'd you look? And I think the thing for us to remember is if, if the word, the implanted word, the word of truth, 
the law of liberty, which gives us life, redeems our soul, forgives our sins, sets us free. If that's given to us, why would you not want to do it? That's the height of folly. You're deceiving yourself and you're cheating yourself out of the blessing. Hmm. I think that uh, that's that's the whole point of the of the mirror image there. You know, and we need an accurate reflection, even though sometimes we don't like what we see. But uh, anyway, I think that's a, a, a helpful. I mean, I've thought about that many, many times. The word of God is is the, is the, is a true mirror, yeah. not like our culture. Or I mean, we want to look at parts of it and ignore others. You know, uh, a while ago, Judy and I were watching Shark Tank. I don't know if you guys are Shark Tank fans. Yeah, I watched it. But a, a company, a person came on and their company was, I think it was called like the Skinny Mirror or something like that, where they literally sold mirrors that distorted your view of yourself. What? They sold <laughs> which, you a lie. Which seems like it should not be Which is pretty legal. much all advertising. Yeah. yeah and, they're just more honest about it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was such, they were just like, yeah, you'll love this mirror. It'll be your favorite mirror. And, and I think sometimes, to your point of what you said earlier, Blake, you know, uh, yeah, scripture keeps us from doing that. God shows us mm-hmm. who we really are, mm-hmm. but it's through the lens of, of who he is and his love for us. And I think that's helpful. Yeah. And uh, if, if we didn't have the hope of the gospel, then I would want that skinny mirror. Yes, I, I right, would yeah, want something right, to tell me right. that it, to, to, to help me to hide from who I truly am. But because of the hope that the gospel offers, um, then I'm able to embrace knowing, okay, yes, this is who I am, but I'm so thankful that the God who says he loves me perfectly also yes. knows me fully right. and there's nothing I need to hide from him. Yeah. That, that's, by the way, Blake, that, that idea about being known fully, there's something in there, isn't there? Uh-huh. <laughs> right, to our listeners, Blake's uh, written a book that's, I think, in, in process of, about fully known, fully loved. Isn't that the title? That's right. Yep. And uh, and I thought of you because on Friday morning at our men's ministry, Danny Flores, pastor in Elgin, who's a dear friend of ours, uh, said, you, you cannot be fully loved unless you're fully known. Mm-hmm. And so the only one that knows you fully is Jesus. Therefore, the only one that loves you completely is Jesus. That's truly. right. Yeah. That's right. And I thought, ah, I know. Anyway, so... Uh, one of the connections that I, I want to make sure we talk about, James um, closes this section by talking about the religion that God uh, approves of, the religion that God considers good. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm phrasing it correctly, yeah. but, uh, and he, he singles Pure out- defiled, I think are the words he yeah, uses, yeah. He singles out caring for widows, caring for orphans. He singles yeah. out uh, guarding your tongue and, and not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of losing- control of the words that you use. But yeah. Jeff, you kind of introduced, um, yeah. very clearly and, and honestly, just kind of the state of our, uh, surrounding area and, mm-hmm. and pointed out foster care as, as kind of one application of this. But I'm, I'm curious just for you guys, as yeah. you think about if James were writing this today to our context, which in many ways he is, mm-hmm. what groups of people might he say, this is who you have to care for? Yeah, well, first, let me back up a little bit and say that those two verses, 26 and 27 of chapter one, he says, if anyone thinks his religion, you know, he, he's got you know, a faithful religion, but he doesn't bridle his tongue. And by religion, religion is a bit of a negative word in our culture. He doesn't mean like, a, you know, religiosity. He means like the, like living out your faith. Yeah. That's what he means by religion. Meaning the f- first thing is like um, a faith that works, the title of our series, it means it's going to affect how you talk yeah. to people, your speech. And then, then he has this, which sounds like a change of subject. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled, that our father accepts, is care for orphans and widows. Keep yourself unstained from the world. Well, I think it doesn't only mean orphans and widows. I think that in that culture, those are the most vulnerable and um, exploited categories of people in the culture. 
children without parents and wives without husbands in that culture were extremely vulnerable yeah. in ways we can't really grasp. There's no social welfare systems. There's no, I mean, they're, they are really at the mercy of, of, of others. And so I think for us to translate that, so yes, orphans and widows, but then who are the people that are most vulnerable and most exploited that are most taken advantage of in our culture? Uh, and that may, and I think that's what we should be thinking about. And so I just made the comment that, well, speaking of orphans, in our county, Kane County, there are 480 children in foster care. Hmm. We have a church of several thousand. Well, I'm not, there's no, there's no obligate, I'm not, there's no pressure here or bait and switch, but if we're serious about our faith, would it make a difference in that number in our county, in our community? Hmm. Children that don't have parents. I know many in our church family who are involved in Safe Families for Children, a place of kind of a transitional period between foster care and adoption uh, being, um, caring for these kids, loving them, giving them a home where they're uh, protected, provided for, and uh, taught about the love of Christ. Hmm. But, what do you yeah. think, Blake? Uh, it seems like James hints at something really interesting here when he says, uh, religion that is pure and undefiled before yeah. God, the Father, is this, to care for orphans yeah, the father. and widows. Yeah. And so it's, it's almost like James is saying here, um, remember who you are and what God has done for you. We were spiritually orphans and God the father adopted us into his family and we were spiritually impoverished Mm -hmm. and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Jesus, um, became poor so that, uh, uh, for our sake, so that we through his poverty might become rich. Uh, and so really it's, it's this, this gospel once again, that is, um, uh, inspiring us and prompting us to try to reflect God's very heart to the world around us. I hadn't thought of that, Blake, but, um, even widows, we're the bride of Christ. Mm, that's right. And, and we're, we're wedded to him. So there's a sense in which we're reflecting God's uh, father's heart and spousal heart to mm. those who are, who are mm. vulnerable. That's yeah. good. That's interesting. There's a lot more that I want to talk about, but just for the sake of time, I, I do think it matters. We've, we um, talked briefly about this idea of humbly receiving the word yeah. and, and that connection between hearing and doing. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about the word humbly. And why James includes it. What about receiving the word? Why is that something that must be done with humility? Uh, why can't uh, we just do it regularly? Or, you know, what, what place does uh, receiving the word have to do with kind of tackling our pride hmm. and living a life of humility? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think of C.S. Lewis who said that humility is the one virtue that you don't get by focusing on it. Because <laughs> yeah, once you do, you stop being humble, right? Have you noticed I've been working on my humility? I'm mm. pretty humble. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> I've been making real progress in my humility. Have you guys seen? Have you noticed? Yes. Yeah. I'm sure you've all noticed. Yeah. But it's a byproduct of focusing on Christ. So a truly humble person doesn't think uh, less of themselves. They think of themselves less, to yeah. paraphrase Lewis mm-hmm. again. So it doesn't mean like, sometimes I think Christians are guilty of this, of like uh, being humble means sort of false humility, beat yourself up. Oh, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Yeah. I'm, that's not at all what... Um, what it means, it, but uh, it means, a, 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 I guess it, at the bed base level, what James is saying, humbly receive or receive with meekness means a deep awareness of your need, a deep awareness of that uh, my desperate need for the grace of God. Mm-hmm. There, you cannot receive what God is offering unless you're like in that posture. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think of uh, the, the hymn rock of ages, um, nothing in my hands I bring. Uh, simply to thy cross, I cling. Um, I, if in my own life, I, I think about, um, I often wonder 
uh, can I do anything with completely pure you motives? You must have just preached at South Street, quoting old hymns. <laughs> no, well, because there's a lot of listeners who are good, love the fact that you're quoting the, the hymns. And I this love is it too. yeah. This is also my second sermon. This is all of the other stuff that didn't get onto the manuscript. So I'm just that's trying right. to. Yeah, to that's what the podcast is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, but. Uh, the, um, I think something that drives me to humility often is that I desperately need the blood of Christ, mm. not only to forgive my bad works, but also to purify my good works. Mm-hmm. Because so often I, I check my own heart, even after I've done something good, like let's say I help someone across the street, mm-hmm. an old lady across the street or something like this. <laughs> um, and, and then I wonder, um, was that out of pure motives or was I kind of looking yeah. around and wondering, okay, what are other people thinking of me or whatever? Um, right. I desperately need the blood of Christ to also purify uh, my good works, to make it acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God the Father. And so really all of our works ought to drive us to humility, recognizing I need the blood Mm -hmm. of Christ for that as well, not just for my bad works, but also for my good works. And I'm so thankful that the blood of Christ does cleanse my good works um, so that God the Father is truly pleased by it as if it was perfectly pure. That's good. And even though even the word receive, it's the Greek word dekomai, means like welcome gladly. So and I think for even those of us that are, are, are Christians, we have the implanted word, we are saved by grace. Still, we need to welcome gladly the word of God, which was transforming us, yeah. not resist it, not think it's trying to keep us down, but it's our freedom. It's our joy. It's our blessing. I welcome it. I want to hear from you, Lord. I want to become a doer of your word by your grace. And so I think that just that welcoming posture, and I can't give you a gift, Joe, if your hand, if your fist is closed, right? Mm. You can't receive it. Mm-hmm. So there's even that simple open handedness, which it, you're going to have to let go of some things to open your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even as Blake would say, let go of my own self-righteousness, my own right. good works, my own need to, to do it myself or to control. I can't receive what God is offering me unless I have an open handed posture of humility and receiving. If you want to give me a gift, that's fine. I'll yeah, right, open right. my hands. That was metaphorical. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, if any of our listeners ever sees Blake helping an old lady across the street, don't be impressed. why he's doing that. Question him. Just I hope it's pure motive. <laughs> start yeah. singing Rock of Ages cleft for me and I'll, I'll feel better. I'll be like, that's right. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's good. There's, there's a lot more we could uh, explore. This is this book is just packed yeah, with stuff. It's amazing. Uh, but for the sake of time, Jeff, can you give us a little uh, sneak peek of what's coming this week as Absolutely. we get to James chapter two? two. Well, uh, as I mentioned at the outset, so many of the themes that James is going to get into in detail, the rest of the letter are already set up in this, what we've just preached on the last two weeks. So mm-hmm. this week he, fi- he, he closes by saying, care for orphans and widows, the vulnerable. And in chapter two, he's going to dig into that, uh, what it means to show favoritism uh, uh, and, and, and in favor of those that are wealthy or to incline ourselves to those that God cares about, which are the vulnerable and the weak. So we're going to dig in detail about what, the, what that is. All right. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. And speaking of things that'll be good, it's time for Joe is Wants to time? Know. It is time. Oh, what you know, Joe? I don't know nothing. What you know, Joe? Tell me something. If people want to know how my brain works, or as Jeff, you very kindly said, doesn't work. Yeah, it works. I know it works. <laughs> uh, this is uh, how I got to this week's Joe Wants to Know. So you guys, in your preaching, were talking about the perfect law of liberty. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about laws. <laughs> <laughs> we like- <laughs> You instantly lost Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I have no idea what you preached about. I'm sure it was great <laughs> yeah. because I was busy thinking about loss. So this week, what Joe wants to know is if you could change, mm. remove, 
or add any one law in our country, what would it be? Hmm. <laughs> you can get yourself in trouble here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any law. Brett, be ready to edit as necessary. That's right. What do you say, Blake? You go first. Okay, so I'll go with, um, I, uh, I'll, I'll mention two things. One is just that in the restaurant industry, I think it would be wonderful if it was a law that they would always bring you a jug of water that they set at your table instead of having to refill the, 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 yes, certainly a law. I yeah. go through a lot of water, yeah. um, as you know guys you know. <laughs> and, and so I often find myself sitting at my table with an empty glass of water and very thirsty. And then I have to wait six minutes for the waiter to my come over. So just leave the job there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh this law. Yes. Can yeah. you get arrested and put in jail or just fined? Or how, how would I yeah. what, prosecute what's the, this? What's the consequence of yeah, that? I, I don't think anything too serious. Maybe yeah. just like a week in prison or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay, one other quick thing. I think if, if we could, as Illinoisians... Yep. Illinoisans. Illinoisans, um, start no, right. a... Illinois winterizing committee. So basically we live in uh, the darkest actually state in the United States. I just found this out recently that I, I looked up average sunlight hours per state. Really? And Illinois is ranked 50th out of 50 states. Is it really? We did with, it. Alaska? With, yes, yes. Way to go, Illinois. With, with 3.14 average peak sunlight hours per day. Now the number one uh, state is, is New Mexico with Arizona right behind it. And it has 6.77 average peak sunlight hours per day, which is over twice as much memorized? as Illinois. This is incredible. I, because I've been telling everyone about it. I'd say, I'm like, <laughs> we need to do something about this. So during the winter we sit there and, and literally New Mexico has two Illinois days in one day of, of our like sunlight. sunlight. Yeah. And so, so what I'm thinking is you we need to nerding out on this big time. Well, because I, I really feel that whole seasonal thing yeah, yeah. with like sun does a lot to me. So I'm thinking what we do <laughs> is we install, um, we get a committee to figure out how, how, are, how are we going to live through this basically? Because this is, I think it's, well, what, it's too much. What's the committee going to do? Okay. Like install us. So I, I didn't know if I had the freedom to go here, but maybe <laughs> I'm not sure that you do. Those, this those, is <laughs> the area you go here. You're the, going now, Blake. You know, in, um, in, in certain cities, they have those indoor like sky walks. Okay. Let's, let's have those everywhere so that we can still go on walks, um, throughout the winter. So just everywhere you go, there are skywalks that you can get there. And then maybe some sort of ways to put sunlight in those skywalks or something. I don't know exactly what it looks like that. That's why we need a committee. And that's all that I'm saying. I'm not asking for too much. I'm just saying so, that. No, no. So you're not saying you have all the solutions. You're just saying there needs to be solutions. Yes, you're not yes, for exactly. too much at all. Magic sunlight in the skywalks over in Illinois. That's no problem. Okay. Well, I mean, I, our state is famous for being good with money. I'm so in we'll pastoral ministry. I'm just here to get yeah. the ball rolling. Okay. Okay. Yeah. How about we just get rid of daylight savings time? See, that's a good or one. Or we only fall back. Just keep falling Just back. Just keep falling back. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I would say red light cameras should be illegal. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's, a, that's a dirty trick. Preach. Yep. Preach. And it's only just funding. It does not really that's helping right. make the community safer. Yeah. I'm so. pretty sure uh, over the weekend I ran a red light and I'm going to get a ticket in about you a month. get a little picture of your car. It was uh-huh. one of those, like, yeah, I, I was turning those. right and I yeah. kind of just rolled it uh-huh. and there was no one coming, so I just kept going. Yeah. And I forgot that it was a, yeah. a camera on, and so I'm just waiting, are, and I'm dreading it. I like in the Apple Maps, red light camera ahead yeah. tells you what's it's coming. Clutch. I, but I think that's, that's a dirty, dirty trick and should be outlawed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, my suggestion... It would also be legal to shoot rabbits in my own backyard. <laughs> no, only kidding. <laughs> I refuse my, to laugh about that. Who, who, who <laughs> eat all my wife's hydrangeas and hostas. And uh, even though she thinks bunnies are cute, she's she's torn about this because 
Oh, yeah. this is like a battle in the Fraser yeah. house. Oh yeah. It's incredible. Uh, my law that I'm adding is if you go slow in the left lane, you go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> what is slow? Slower than Joe wants to go? <laughs> if you go slow, you got to go. We got great branding so already. So Joe's driving is the, is the measure of what's I, legal. I am the law okay. in this case. Yeah, and if I determine that you're going too slow, yeah, there right. has to... Because it, like just, a, it drives a me insane. On Joe's that's right. Go to jail. A yeah. Joe wants to go button. Pushes that straight to jail. Especially like... I don't know if you guys have driven down 65, but it's a two lane yeah. on each way. And yeah. they're just these massive trucks mm -hmm. and they pass each other and it takes them an hour to pass each other. Mm -hmm. And you're just sitting behind them and you're slowly just losing your mind. Right. I'm getting but mad just thinking about it. That's nice. The windmills are nice. It's yeah. a great touch. Mm -hmm. And they've got that little farm that you can go to. Right. We're at night with all just the red blinking eyes. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're digressing. What was the question? We're, Where are we? What's happening, Joe? Everyone has stopped listening <laughs> by right. now. And so That's for our the, goal. Just keep talking until there's one person left. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and that Thanks, person Mom. is probably related to one of us. And That's so right. whoever you are, we are grateful for you. Thank you, guys. That's right. And thanks for listening to the 4AO Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and share this with a friend. If it has helped you in your faith journey, we will talk to you soon.